Welcome to The Intuitive Therapist with Janice R. Cohen, therapist, clairvoyant, empath, and medium. Listen in as she takes a no-nonsense, deep dive into real human struggles and how to resolve them. Janice will share channeled information from her spirit guide team, as well as angels and archangels, to help you master your emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual destiny. And now, Janice R. Cohen. Hey, y'all, this is Janice Cohen, the Intuitive Therapist, here on the Intuitive Therapist Podcast. I want to talk about something today that um, has to do with success. And I don't want to talk about it in a dry, boring way. Trust me, I'm not going to. But I want to give you some concepts to think about, actually laws, uh, universal laws that could truly help change your life in every aspect of your life. Um, there are things I've talked about before, but what I'm going to do is refer to Deepak Chopra's book, The Seven uh, Spiritual Laws of Success. I do my best to live my life by these laws, and over time, over the last maybe uh, 20 years or so, just kind of studying spirituality and metaphysics and all of that, incorporating these laws into my life has made such a huge difference. I've been able to let go of things that I held on to for so long. I've been able to look at life in a very, very different way and use what has happened to me instead of feeling like I'm helpless or a victim. And we're going to cover a a lot today. I'm going to do my best to make this as down-to-earth as possible uh, and as user-friendly as possible because each of these laws builds upon the other and they can also stand alone. It's kind of funny, but they can. Um, So... If you have a chance, get this book. It's really, really amazing. It makes complete sense. And the concepts in the book uh, can really help you understand how to take one step to the next to the next without feeling like you're doing that with, with much effort. So when you think about your life, when you think about what success means to you, most people, truly most people would say if they had enough money in the bank or they're making enough money that they don't have to worry about money. And we're going to talk about that at some point uh, in one of these laws, uh, because I'll tell you this, uh, I've met many, many people, many of my clients are very, very well off, and they still don't have that sense of safety and security because they know that any moment they could lose it. So their, their sense of success isn't grounded in anything permanent. So there's a feeling of possible scarcity, especially if you come from a background where uh, money was really not available. You're always looking to make more and make sure you pay that bill and have enough money in the bank. So there's always anxiety associated with this quote-unquote idea of success. And I want to help you move away from that because you can have everything you want with ease, with the least amount of effort. It's just going to take time for you to incorporate these laws and incorporate them into your daily living. Some people define success as... uh, the continued expansion of happiness and the realization of goals that really, really matter. And really, yes, success in a lot of ways has to do with wealth, right? Um, and it's one of those things that when you, when you consider success uh, to only exist because you have wealth, my God, that's a lot of work that you have to do. It's hard. Um, but what Deepak talks about and what I've become to incorporate in my life and what I'd like for you to is to use a more spiritual approach to success um, where abundance just kind of flows to you and there's a certain mindset 
a certain surrender process that's warranted to be able to shift into uh, your spiritual mind and out of out of your ego. Today we're going to talk about the seven uh, spiritual laws of success and I just want to explain what a law is. When you think about a law, it really is the process by which the unmanifest becomes manifest and that's really it. It's like a guideline, a kind of playbook that we're going to talk about today in terms of success. And one of the things that I want you to know, and sometimes this can be very, very difficult to understand and accept. It can feel big and uh, uncertain, and you don't know how to transmute this into human terms. And really, you kind of really can't. It's just a sense of things. The source of all creation is divinity. Y'all know that, right? Or the spirit. The process of creation is divinity in motion or the mind, how we think about things uh, spiritually uh, and ego-based. And the object of creation is the physical universe, which includes the physical body. So it's kind of like the result or the thing that happens or what your, what your body and outer world experiences. So when you understand the laws that I'm about to explain to you, you could truly have whatever you want with ease. You're not going to be as stressed. You're not going to be uh, as uh, anxiety-driven or ego-driven. You will be able to lean back into life and look forward in the process. The first law is the law of pure potentiality. And this really is all about who you are spiritually. Um, our essence, our essential nature is one of pure potentiality. And when you discover your essential nature, where when you really know who you are, and a lot of times this will happen to people kind of later on in life. Uh, there are a few lucky people who at a very early age, uh, you know, maybe in their 20s, like they're real clear about who they are. But as you get older, we all know, especially in your 40s, um, you really get a sense of, of yourself and what you want. And your values and goals change as you get older. So it really is all about kind of the law of unity as well, which everything is connected to everything. One of the things that Deepak talks about is the experience of self or self-referral. Uh, and this is really where you live your life based on your internal reference point, which is your spirit, which you know in your heart. There's another concept that he talks about, which is object referral which is where you live your life based on what's going on outside of you. The, the, the outcomes that you experience, what people say, what you hear, and you're living your life trying to chase the carrot, and the carrot is, uh, just keeps going farther and farther away. So I want you to really think about the focus of this law, which is how well do I know myself, and what is it going to take for me to know myself? Okay, so when our thinking and our behavior is always in anticipation of a result, it's always fear-based. That means, and we're going to talk about the law of detachment and attachment that's coming, uh, but it's essential to really understand that when you live your life based on what happens outside of you, this is all ego-driven. It's all about measuring up. Are you enough? You give the outside sources, you give your power away to them. And it's as if you develop worth, uh, let's just put it this way, a tentative sense of self-worth based on what happens outside of you and, and the responses to that. So I want to talk to you about how you apply the law of pure potentiality. 
So if you truly want to enjoy uh, the benefits of, of yourself, of who you truly, truly are, one way is to get into a daily practice of silence, meditation, and non-judgment. This can be very, very hard for a lot of people, especially you analytical left-brained people who are in your mind all the time, and you have to justify and defend and process through uh, a series of intellectual evaluations. And this law is basically saying, just want you to be, want you to connect with yourself, which you inherently know. A lot of that truly um, happens in silence or meditation or being connected to nature. One of the practices that's spoken about in this book uh, is so important. Um, every encounter we have is meaningful and our uh, buttons are always going to be pushed by people who are there to bring up our stuff. That's what our life is about, to, to settle karma, to learn our lessons and to uh, be at peace with what we need to be at peace with. And so practicing non-judgment, it's really... Um, if we can consider judgment as the constant evaluation of things that are right or wrong or good or bad, then we're going to be constantly evaluating and labeling and analyzing. And good Lord, that is stressful. So the goal here is for you to practice, whether it's five minutes a day, an hour, two hours, the whole day, is to be able to say there, there's a, a, a statement in the Course of Miracles Course in Miracles, today I shall judge nothing that occurs. And what that means is simply you observe it and you don't let something uh, become a determination of a value, meaning it's not good or bad. It's not right or wrong. It just is. So uh, to access the law of pure potentiality means that you're aware of who you are, you know yourself, you practice non judgment meditation, and you're able to connect with nature because nature truly gives us a lot of peace, a lot of messages if you uh, stay in the present. The second law is the law of giving. A lot of people will think of this as the law of giving and receiving. And I just want you to understand that the universe operates through uh, an exchange. It's like a system of exchange. The thing with this law is that the most important thing to remember and we're going to talk about this in just a few moments, is all about the intention with which you give. It is huge because if there's any malicious intent, if there's any ego-based intention to give, the universe will give that back to you. In other words, you won't get back what you give. So because your body and mind in the universe are constant and, and they're in a constant exchange, if, if you don't give but just take, what ends up happening is it's kind of like you get like a blood clot. It's really weird. There isn't this flow uh, in your system energetically. And the things start to coagulate and get stagnant. I don't know if you can think about a relationship you've been in. Maybe you've been the one who's just who's the taker. And uh, it's, you realize it's not as fulfilling or you've been the giver. And the person has been, your, your partner or your dating partner has been the taker. And you realize, you know what, it's very hard to move forward with ease and feel fulfillment if somebody is monopolizing uh, the giving or the taking. So anything you want in life, just understand it's all about this circulation and the intention with which you you give, okay? So when it comes to success, we talk about abundance, right? Money is really a symbol of the life energy we exchange. 
and the life energy we use as a result of the service we provide to the universe. We are here to serve. So if we stop the circulation of money, let's say, for example, you're somebody who tends to be very frugal because you, you, you uh, are so tightly wound to keep hold of your money, um, you have to understand that the energy, that energy will stop the circulation back into your life. So you're not going to be able to make the kind of money you want. So, and, and like I said, every relationship is a, a give and take with anything. Um, and if you stop the flow of either, give or take, you interfere with the intelligence of that relationship. And we all know this, but I want you to really hear it. The more you give, the more you will receive. Because you're going to keep the abundance in the universe circulating in your life. And you have to know anything that is of value in life only multiplies when it's given. So if, for example, if you feel like you've given something and then... If you know you've given something, you feel like you've lost something, then you have to understand the gift is it really wasn't truly given. You expected something back. And if you give grudgingly or with an expectation, uh, then there's really no, no pure energy behind the giving. One of the things I tell my clients is, if you need to have a difficult conversation, um, I want you to really think about your intention. And there, there are several intentions. If the intention is to just drop off information, not criticism, but information like, you know what, it really, really hurt me that you did this. I just needed to let you know. And you have no expectation back. That's one of the best positions you could be in. Another uh, example of an intention is if you are looking for someone to apologize, right? So I'm telling you this, I want you to make amends with me. That's my expectation. And should you not my feelings will be hurt. I'll be angry. And the other intention is to, um, and the other intention has to do with uh, malicious intent. So if you go to have a conversation with somebody, maybe about something that they did or didn't do, or where it hurt your feelings or offended, and your ego is driving your intention, which is, uh, I'm going to be retaliatory. I'm going to be uh, vengeful then you have to understand that's going to come back to you a million fold. And you really don't want to set yourself up karmically uh, for that. And we're going to talk about karma very shortly. So when you have an intention, it, it really is the most important thing like I talked about. You want to be able to really have the intention to always create happiness for the person who's giving and the person who's receiving. Because happiness is life-supporting and life-sustaining, and it generates increase. It, the, the return on your giving is directly proportional uh, to the giving when it's unconditional from the heart. You're going to get so much back. I don't know if you've ever just done something just to do it. Maybe you've baked somebody some cookies if they're going through a tough time. Maybe you've called somebody uh, because they're, they, uh, you could feel like maybe they need just to hear your voice, and you're calling from the heart. There's such a sense of fulfillment with that. Uh, and I'm sure at some point in your life, you can connect with that. So that's the place that I'm talking about. It's giving where you, you don't expect anything back because there's just joy in the giving. So how do you practice this law? It's really simple. If you want joy, give joy to others. If you want love, learn to give love to yourself too. 
If you want attention and appreciation, learn to give that attention and appreciation. If you want material affluence, help others become more materially affluent. So really, the easiest way to get what you want is to help others get what they want. It's completely selfless. Uh, If you tend to be somebody that uh, uh, is uh, a um, sacrificer to get attention, this law will not work for you. It has to be just a genuine desire to help somebody. I remember one time I was um, in Costco. It was pouring down rain and I was trying to find a parking spot. And um, I saw this old man, uh, or elderly man, uh, driving one of those carts and he was pouring down rain. He didn't have a, uh, an umbrella. And I had a row of cars behind me. Uh, and I was raised to help others. It wasn't uh, a, a, a direct message, but we were just taught, you, you, you just help others. And so I ended up getting out of my car, left my car there, getting up out of my car, ran up to him, guided him back to his car, put his stuff in his car, got him in his car, put that cart away. And I have to tell you, it was one of the most filling experiences I've ever had. And lo and behold, I get my get in my car, somebody pulls out in one of the front parking spaces, and I was able to get there, uh, get in that front parking space with ease. So it's things like that when you give from the heart, uh, when you help others, when you, when you truly want people to succeed, you get back um, what you give. And so it doesn't have to be, whatever you give doesn't have to be in a material form. Sometimes it's nice just to say, oh, you look beautiful today, or give somebody a compliment, or share some appreciation that you have for, for them. Caring, attention, affection, and love are some of the most precious gifts you can give, and they don't cost you anything. You can silently send somebody a blessing when you meet them. You can uh, send those people that have caused you pain, love, and light, and wish them happiness and joy, and hope that they get on path. As long as it's with with a true sense of uh, selfless um, giving, it will all come back to you. The third law is the law of karma or cause and effect. And a lot of people, I have to tell you this, a lot of people are scared um, when they think about karma, and a lot of people don't even know what it is. There's a saying, uh, karma is the bitch I don't need to be. The amazing thing about karma, especially when you're in difficult situations, is that we create our karma from every moment before us. You don't realize how, um, when you react from an ego place, from an emotional place, that you are creating your future in every moment, in every decision. Every action generates a force of energy that returns to us in like kind. You've heard the saying, what you, what you sow is what you reap, and it is very true. So when you choose actions that bring happiness and success to others, the fruit of your karma is happiness and success. So karma is both action and consequence of that action. It's cause and effect simultaneously because every action generates a force of energy that returns to us in like kind. There's nothing really unfamiliar about karma. Um, and everyone has heard of the, has heard the expression, like I said, what you reap, what you, you, you sow what you reap. Okay. Uh, and so karma simply implies the action of conscious choice making. This is huge. I want you to hear this. Now, there are a lot of you, and I have had this experience in my life where 
I have had relationships and experiences that have turned out to be where I've paid my karmic debt from past lives. It's hard to know when that's going to happen until after the fact. Um, but our life is all about uh, paying off our karmic debt from this lifetime and all our past lifetimes. And really, you, you and I are essentially infinite choice makers in every moment of our lives. We have the opportunity and the possibility to access an infinite amount of choices. I've met so many people who feel that they're so black and white, their thinking is so black and white, and they feel trapped all of the freaking time, like they can only do this or that. Their mind is not open to other possibilities or to seeking other people out to help them with, with possibilities. Um, so they feel stuck and anxious and trapped. Um, and truly, once you bring, once you bring an awareness to this concept of karma, the best way to understand and maximize the use of karmic law is to become consciously aware of the choices that you make in every moment. It's literally that simple. It's to not, is to be so aware of whatever choice you make from the step you take to the drink you drink, to the interaction you have, to the, to the decisions you make in your business, your personal life, your health, your financial investments, your giving, to be so aware of that, that you lean into your integrity, you lean into your heart and make decisions based on that. And we're getting ready to talk about that. So I want to talk to you. This is very interesting. So if I were to insult you, you w could make the uh, decision most likely to be offended. If I were to pay you a compliment, you would most likely uh, make the choice to be pleased or flattered. But think about it as still a choice. I could offend you and I could insult you and you could make the choice to not feel offended, right? And I could pay you a compliment and you could make the choice of not letting it flatter you like it would mean nothing. So our reactions seem to kind of be automatically triggered by people and circumstances. And we forget that these choices that we're making in every moment of our existence are based on that. Like we carry a lot of history with ourselves and we don't remember that a lot. And I always tell clients and, and you listeners too, it's like everybody brings their stuff. A lot of what we bring is unconscious. We don't pay attention. This law is saying y'all pay attention. If you step back for a moment and witness the choices that you're making as you make them, then in just this act of witnessing, you take the whole process from the unconscious realm where it's kind of automated to the conscious realm. And you get to witness everything you do, every choice, because you have to understand you make choices in your life. There's nothing that happens to you that you don't, you don't have the opportunity to make a, uh, a better choice from, right? So when you make a choice, you can ask yourself two things. The first is, what are the consequences of this choice that I'm making? In your heart, you are going to immediately know. The second is, will this choice that I am making now bring happiness to me and to those around me? If the answer is yes, go ahead. If the answer is no, then don't make that choice. Literally, it's that simple. And if you're coming from a place of fear or malice, think twice. Again, you're creating your karma. Everything you do is a ripple effect. And there really is only one choice. It's really 
uh, if the choice that you make is going to create happiness for you as well as those around you, that's the choice, right? People have to deal with their own karma. They bring to you their own stuff. So you've got to be able to make choices based on who you know you are and what's what I call um, uh, integrity. Um, Deepak Chopra calls it spontaneous right action. It's the action that nourishes you and everyone else who's influenced by the action. I like to talk about it as integrity, where, you, where it's an honest truth. It's where, where you're coming from a, a moral place, basically, where it's important to do what's kind of, quote unquote, right by your heart and right by other people. And it has to do, you, you could always tell when a decision is right or wrong or, or uh, the right action to take, your body will tell you, okay? Your body will let you know. You'll either feel like shit and it feels gross and your, your ego will go, yeah, we got to get him back. We got to get her back. Yeah, this is a total emotional reaction. Or your body uh, will say, uh-uh, I don't want to do this. This isn't, this isn't right. So how you determine if a choice is right or not, it's you want to ask your body, if I make this choice, what happens? And your body's going to send you a message of comfort if it's the right choice. And if your body sends you a message of discomfort, then clearly it's not the right choice. And, and these, these awarenesses in your body, it could be a very strong knowing or it could be a very faint level of feeling, kind of like, mm, makes you think twice. So if that happens, listen to your body. Because really only the heart knows the correct answer. A lot of people come to me, they want readings around uh, their past karma, past life relationships. Uh, and when I taught before, uh, we don't always know what's playing out from our past lives ca uh, karmically. If we're aware, we can learn to recognize that uh, because our soul will let us know. But I want you to think about th these three things that you can do about your past karma. The first is, of course, you want to pay your karmic debts because that's why we're here. We are here to make up uh, from those karmic decisions that we made in the past. We are here to resolve them, to absolve them, to pay them down. It's as if if you uh, got stuff that, oh, stuff that you've put on layaway, it's still there. You still owe. And the only way to reduce and eliminate your debt is to pay for it so that you can get what you need and get what you need to receive. So um, pay your karmic debts. And the law of karma says that no debt in the universe ever goes unpaid. So you know what? You can avoid it as much as you can try in this lifetime, but you come back in another lifetime and I promise you, you will be paying that debt. Um, and so it's a constant kind of back and forth exchange of energy. The second thing you can do is transmute or transform your karma to a more desirable experience. This is one of the things it took me so long to learn, but the minute I learned it, it changed everything in my life. And as simply as this, when something happens in your life, and notice I didn't say something happening to you. I said something happens in your life from the most minute disappointment to the biggest heartbreak, the biggest pain. You have a choice in that moment. You can either be the victim and say, why me? Or you can start shifting your perspective. And 
It's this is how you get to pay your karmic debt is truly to learn from your experience. So you'd ask yourself, what can I learn from this experience? Why is this happening? And what is the message that the universe is giving to me? How can I make this experience useful to my fellow human beings? It is so hard when we're in pain. It is so hard when we've suffered loss and we're grieving. It is so hard to be uh, in our spiritual minds when uh, we have become so disappointed and we have heartbreak. It feels next to impossible. But I can tell you this, when I've experienced all those things, I know that if I push myself to move beyond my emotional uh, reaction and get out of suffering and ask myself and ask the universe, please just show me what I need to learn from this because I sure as shit don't want to go through this again. And it's not just because I want to end the feeling. I don't want to feel that again. So I ask the universe. So if you look for the seed of opportunity and then tie that seed of opportunity with your dharma, the purpose of your life, we're going to talk about dharma too, um, then you're going to be able to transmute that karma to a new and different expression so that you can contribute. Okay? So you're going to also, it, the bottom line is really convert adversity into a benefit that can bring you wealth and fulfillment. And again, wealth doesn't always mean money, uh, but it can be uh, joy, happiness, peace, all of that. You, you've heard a lot uh, of people, you know, if they've lost loved ones, um, you know, God forbid somebody dies in a drunk driving accident or somebody's murdered, you'll, you'll find that they will use the loss to benefit other people, to start organizations, to start funding uh, for, uh, and, and efforts to change laws. That's the same thing. Okay, so this, the third way to deal with karma is to transcend it. It's to become independent of it. And the way to do this is to keep experiencing the gap. And I'm going to talk about what that is, the gap, the self, and the spirit. So when I was talking about uh, before uh, the first law, uh, I wanted to share with you, we talked about uh, meditation, we talked about nature, and we talked about getting to know yourself. The practice of meditation will help you get into the gap between yourself, who you are in this lifetime, your spirit, and that gap in between that can help you um, shift into transcending karma. So what I'm going to, I want to explain that. Uh, you will know what that's like when you go into meditation. It's when you're not thinking. And I know that, look, my head's busy, but at least what I do is uh, I connect with spirit, I connect with my guides, I connect with my angels, and I just open this doorway, this path, this gap to get insight. That's what the gap is. So by becoming a conscious choice maker, y'all, you can begin to generate actions that are evolutionary for you and for those people that are around you. And in truth, that's really all you need to do. The fourth law is the law of least effort. Steve Jobs had a quote. <laughs> I think this was Steve Jobs, but he said, you know, hire people, kind of hire lazy people because they'll figure out the easiest and <laughs> the easiest way to get something done because it'll require the least amount of energy. Now, I don't know if that's entirely true, but it certainly connects to this law of least effort. And the whole point of this law is to really be uh, in a state of flow. It's 
it really has to do with effortless ease and carefreeness. It's whatever requires the least amount of action. And the bottom line is to live life without resistance. When you think about it, like uh, grass doesn't try to grow. It just grows, right? Fish don't try to swim. They kind of just swim. Flowers don't try to bloom. They just bloom. It's their intrinsic nature to do these things. And it's the nature of the sun to shine. And it's human nature to make dreams manifest into physical forms easily and effortlessly. We try to push through life so hard. Uh, and, and I can tell you, uh, and, and I spoke about this um, in a previous podcast, uh, Let Go or Be Dragged. It's the same thing. It's, it's being in nature's intelligence that's effortless, that's frictionless, and that's spontaneous. And when you're in harmony with nature, so to speak, and nature doesn't, you don't have to be in trees <laughs> or bushes or uh, whatever in the wilderness, but to me, nature has to do with connection to the universe. Um, you can really make use of this law of least effort. So least effort is expended when your actions are motivated by love because nature is held together by the energy of love. When you seek power and control over other people, you are literally throwing your energy away. And if you think about it, my God, what a waste. You know, when you, when you seek money or power for the sake of the ego, you spend energy chasing this illusion of happiness instead of enjoying happiness in the moment. Yes, we all need money to live. I'm not saying to act as if you don't need it, but I'm saying to disconnect from the ego-driven mentality of money's going to make me happy because I can tell you sure as shit it will not. Money allows you to indulge. That's it. It never brings fulfillment or inner happiness. When your actions are motivated by love, there's no waste of energy. You, you, your energy multiplies and accumulates when you give Again, the law of giving and receiving. When you give from a place of love, I could tell you, you, you don't ever have to tell anybody about it. It's enough. It fills you up and you move on. So there's, there's um, a book called The Art of Dreaming. Um, and in the book, uh, one of the characters tells the other, most of our energy goes into upholding our importance. If we're capable of losing some of that importance, two extraordinary things happen. Uh, they would happen to us. One, we would free our energy from trying to maintain this idea, this illusion of our grandeur that we are better or bigger than we think we are. And two, we would provide ourselves with enough energy to catch a glimpse of the actual amazingness, the grandeur of the universe. So if we move out of our own way, uh, telling ourselves we are so important, uh, we actually can appreciate the beauty and the, uh, the absolute awe of the universe. There are three components of the law of least effort. And these three things you can do to put the principles of do less and accomplish more into action. The first component is acceptance. This is something I want you to hear me loud and clear, y'all. If you practice this one thing, the, actually these three things are amazing. If you listen to only one thing is this section right here acceptance. It's where you, where you make a commitment you say, today I will accept people, situations, circumstances, and events as they occur. It is what it is. And to know that in your heart, this moment is exactly how it should be. It is easier for us to do that when things are good. 
it is hard and it sucks. It's very difficult to do it when our heart hurts, when we've lost, when we're struggling or even suffering. To believe, to accept, to know that this moment is exactly how it should be because when we're in pain, all we want is out of it. That's it. All we want is out of it. So I want you to know the whole universe is as it should be. This moment, the one you're experiencing right now, is the culmination of all the moments you have ever experienced in the past. This moment is as it is because of the entire because the entire universe is as it is. When you struggle against this moment, y'all, you know, you're actually struggling struggling against the entire universe. So you can make a decision today that you're not going to struggle against the whole universe by struggling against this moment. That means that your acceptance of this moment is total and complete. And that seems almost impossible for so many people. It's, it's when you say to yourself, I accept things as they are, not as I wish them to be. You can wish for things in the future to be different, but in this moment, you have to accept things as they are. When you feel frustrated or upset by a person or situation, remember, you're not reacting to the person or the situation, but your feelings about the person or the situation. These are your feelings, and your feelings are not someone else's fault. You can never say somebody made me cry or hurt my feelings because it's your choice to feel that way. When you recognize and understand this completely, you're ready to take responsibility for how you feel and to change it. And if you can accept things as they are, you are ready to take the responsibility for your situation and for all the events that you see as problems. So it leads us to the second component. The law of least effort is responsibility. Responsibility means that you don't blame anyone or anything for your situation, including yourself. I don't give a shit how bad your life was before. I really do. But I'm just saying in terms of this, it has nothing to do with what choice you make right now. When you take responsibility, you create a response to the situation. And if you remember that all problems contain seeds of opportunity, you can totally transform a shitty situation into an amazing growth opportunity. So the beautiful thing is that reality is based on interpretation. And if you choose to interpret reality in a positive way, you can have many teachers around you. Everything in your life is a teacher. Some of them are uh, really tough teachers, truly. And then you're going to have these people in your life that are so... Uh, uh, made up of light. It's almost as if you you are walking on sacred ground when you encounter them. That um, you can't help but learn and become a better version of yourself. So whatever relationship you've attracted in your life uh, at this moment are precisely the ones that you needed in your life at this moment. There is a hidden meaning behind all events and this hidden meaning is serving your own evolution. The third component of the law of least effect is defenselessness. This simply means that uh, you have relinquished the need to convince or persuade others of your point of view. It is the most amazing and liberating thing when, when you have a conversation with somebody, you could tell whether or not you're saying what you need to say to be right or whether you're saying it just to say it because it's just your truth. When you sit in that pocket of, you know what, 
this person may disagree with me. They may need to feel like they need to be right. I don't need to. I, I know what I believe, and I don't have to agree with everybody, and I can come from a place of positive intention. And if you need to be right, fine, be right. You're, you're in pain if you have to be right. If things just exist, you know, it's like all of a sudden you're just at peace with yourself and you can embrace the beautiful experience, the glow of what it's like to just be at peace. So as you begin to experience that, you become intimate with it. Like you get joy from it and you're going to drop the burden of resentment, of defensiveness and, and hurtfulness. And only when you do that, only when you, uh, take responsibility only when you become defenseless and only when you uh, accept that life is the way it is will you become lighthearted carefree and joyous this the fifth law that I want to talk about and we just have two more to go is the law of intention and desire and to bring conscious change about uh, there are two qualities that are inherent in this kind of consciousness shifting, which is attention and intention. Attention uh, energizes and intention transforms. So whatever you put your attention on will grow stronger in your life. I don't know how many of y'all have ever heard uh, the saying, uh, where your focus goes, energy flows. Same thing. So wherever you take your attention away from will wither, disintegrate, and disappear intention on the other hand triggers transforms uh, energy and information and intention organizes its own fulfillment so and that's what uh, it's talking about when it talks about intention and desire it's really what is it that you really want to happen in your life what kind of focus can you have on it what's the result that you want so the real power behind desire is intention and intent alone is amazingly powerful because intent is desire without attachment to the outcome. Now, what I'm about to talk about is going to be so important. And truly, it can be one of the hardest things to achieve. I remember uh, when I started to practice the art of detachment. It's the law of detachment. I call it the art because it really is a skill that I developed. Uh, years ago, my practice um, I kept being so stressed out. Back then, I used to charge per hour. Uh, and so, and I didn't take payment beforehand to make sure that people came. So I was always waiting with bated breath to see uh, if somebody would show up. And if they canceled, I lost money. It was just this constant, crazy go around, go around, go around. And one day, I decided, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to leave it to the universe, to spirit. If they show up, they show up. If they don't, they don't. I know I'm going to get what I need. And from then on, it has been such a relief not to have to be so anxious if somebody doesn't show. Now, in addition to that, I've changed my whole way of doing business so that I'm not vulnerable hour after hour if somebody shows or doesn't show or pays or doesn't pay. Uh, thankfully, I've taken myself out of that position uh, and would be happy to help you to do that too if you ever thought that you'd like to do that in your own work. But truly, uh, practicing detachment, uh, it's the sixth spiritual law of success. We're going to talk about that. But 
intention combined with detachment, it leads to being in the present moment. So understand your intention, your intent is for the future, but your attention is on the present. In other words, what you're doing now, you're giving attention to so that your intention can be created in the future. Okay? Because the future is created in the present. Now, I know that sounds really confusing, but what you do now creates what you, what you want in the future, even if you're not aware of it. Okay, again, connecting with the law of karma. What you do and don't do affects uh, the karma that you will have. So if you accept the present as it is, accept the present and intend for the future, it's something that you, the future is something that you can always create through a detached intention and you will never be in struggle in the now. So really intention grounded with not giving uh, any emotion or any feeling to an outcome, it can truly change things in your life. Um, One of the things that Deepak talks about in this book is called one pointed intention. And all it means is this, and you will, you, once I tell you this, you're going to, you're going to think about different people in your life, either that you know personally or people that you've heard about who practice this. Okay. It's called one pointed intention. Every successful person practices this. It means holding your attention to an intended outcome with such unbending purpose that you absolutely refuse to allow anything to get in your way for anything to take your focus off, for anything to uh, take away from the quality of your focused intention. Does that make sense? So it is complete, total commitment to what you want to see happen. You live, eat, and breathe it. You know it's going to happen. There's a certainty about it. You're letting nothing get in the way. And you have such a passion about your goal There's no question, right? That's the desire, the law of intention and desire. When you follow these five steps I'm about to give you based on what Deepak says in this book, you are going to be able to create, uh, manifest your desires into reality. The first is to slip into the gap. And remember I talked about this before. It means to center yourself in that silent space between thoughts. To go into the silence, it's kind of like that level of being which is in your essential state, just to connect with you. The second step is when you're actually in that space, in between those thoughts, there really isn't any thought, right? So it's just kind of a gap. So then once you come out of that space, then you are able to um, create, you're able to introduce that intention. You have a series of goals. You can write them down and you have your intention focused on them uh, before you go into the gap, before you kind of go into a space where you're not thinking. You want a successful career. Go into the gap with that intention and the intention will already be there as a flicker in your awareness and then release your intentions and the desires in the gap. Let it go. That is practicing the detachment. You don't want to simply... um, have an intention and be so hell-bent and emotionally tied to an outcome, you want to release the intention to the universe. Third step is remain in a state of self-referral. And it really just means to be aware of who you truly are, your spirit. It means not to look at yourself through the eyes of the world or anybody's criticism or the voices of your past. It's just simply 
to keep your desires sacred. You know, you don't want to go around telling everybody your desires because if they have a look on their face or if they're silent or if they say something, you have a moment in your life where they could potentially throw you off course and you really don't want to unless somebody shares that same desire. Just kind of keep it to yourself and and see yourself realizing it. Fourth step, relinquish your attachment to the outcome. Remember, practice detachment, giving up your attachment, the rigid attachment to a specific result and live in the wisdom of uncertainty. This is a tough one. That's the gap. It's if the more and more we become, we become comfortable with the gray space in our lives, the uncertainty, the easier life is going to be. Because I can tell you every time I've gone from one space to another, that uncertainty has allowed me to grow. It's driven me nuts. I know, trust me, because we all want that safety and security. But what I can tell you is that you have to understand every moment on this journey of life is it's riddled with uncertainty. There's a saying, you plan and God laughs. Well, that's what this is talking about. Try to make peace with what you don't know knowing that there's a bigger plan that you have no idea about. The fifth step is let the universe handle the details. Okay, your intentions and desires when released in that gap, they have an amazing and infinite organizing power. Trust that the infinite organizing power of intention is going to orchestrate all the details. Here's the thing. When you claim what you want from the universe, when you claim it, then all you have to do is let it go because you vibrationally align with your intention. You know when you mean something and you know when you don't. You know when you make a declaration and you know when you don't. The sixth law is the law of detachment and that's what I've talked about a bit. So in detachment lies the wisdom of uncertainty. It's, it's when you're able to step back and go, okay, you know what? I've done, I've done this, or I put this out in the universe. It is what it is. Hands up. I'm whatever happens, happens. And here's the thing. What I tell people when, when we talk about the law of detachment, it's, it's to be able to get rid of what's called anticipatory anxiety. When you worry about worrying. Okay. When you can let go of that, when you can know that no matter what happens, you can handle it. You are golden. The biggest reason why we attach to an outcome is because we are scared that what we want to happen will not. As if, if it doesn't happen, it's going to be bad for us and our lives are going to kind of be fucked up. And that's not true. Everything that happens is supposed to happen in the way it does, especially when we don't like it. That is where the true teaching comes from. Okay? So, it doesn't mean the, the art of detachment, the law of detachment does not mean you give up on the attention to create your desire. You don't give up on the attention. You don't give up on the desire. You give up your attachment to the result. It is an amazingly powerful thing to do. The moment you relinquish your attachment to the result and you combine that one point intention, remember I talked about you just focus on what you want to happen relentlessly. You're going to have everything you want. No one can knock you off your certainty. That's what I tell people. I don't care how strong your opinion is. If I know something to be true, if I know I'm going to have it, you cannot change that for me. Only I can. 
Detachment is based on the unquestioning belief in the power of your true self. And attachment, on the other hand, is based on fear and insecurity. And the need for security is based on not knowing who you are. It's believing that other things will bring you joy and happiness and fulfillment. It's thinking things outside of you, like money, status, uh, fame, as if that's the key to happiness. It's not true. The source of wealth and abundance or of anything in the physical world is you. Everything else is a symbol, right? Cars, houses, clothes, uh, whatever it is, boats. Those are symbols. They come and go. And when you chase these symbols, it's <laughs> Deepak talks about that it, it's like settling for the map instead of the territory. It creates anxiety and ends up making you feel hollow and empty, even though you may convince yourself that if you have the, you can afford the best shoes, you have all this, this, these golden diamonds and you're living the high life. I'm going to tell you, the minute that shit's taken out of your life, where's the happiness? I see this all the time. I remember watching a show, The Real Housewives of, I think, Potomac. Anyway, I am a Bravo fan, Real, Real Housewives. And I remember this one lady, she's, she's kind of, you want to call her the elder of the group. Uh, she is so caught up with herself. She is an elitist that, God forbid, that money is taken away from her and she couldn't live this uh, kind of arrogant, self-indulged life that her husband worked so hard for. Her attitude would be totally different. But she so associates her grandeur with the fact that she has a lot of great things. Um, you know, I tell you what, you pull that carpet out from underneath people like that, and they learn to be humble real quick after they uh, stop practicing entitlement. So attachment comes from poverty consciousness because attachment is always connected to symbols. So if you can remember that, just know that it's based on fear. Detachment is synonymous with wealth consciousness. It means that no matter what happens, you're going to be fine. You're going to get what you need. And you're going to get what you need in the exact way that you need it. Um, and it really is the, the way that be have joy and laughter. If we don't practice detachment, we are prisoners of helplessness, hopelessness, mundane needs, quiet desperation, and seriousness. Like, life gets heavy. So if you were to think about it, right, um, when you search for security, it really is an illusion. Security is not outside of you, just like wholeness and fulfillment is not outside of you. The way to uh, security is for you to know yourself well. Um, so how do you step into the unknown? How do you do that? And I'll tell you this, to be comfortable with the gray space is to believe, shift your thinking and believe and know that what you don't know could really be exciting. Like it could truly bring you something you never even knew that you would, that would come into your life or allow you an opportunity to handle something that you didn't think you could handle. If you can consider it as an opportunity for excitement and adventure and celebration, you will not be attached to anything in your life. So if you look at every opportunity, every problem that you have uh, as an opportunity for some greater benefit, you could stay alert to the opportunities 
uh, that uncertainty brings. And when your preparedness meets opportunity, the solution to that challenge is going to appear. It's, it's like saying to yourself, you know what? I know there's almost everything is uncertain. I can't really rely on anything except for me and how I choose to respond and how I give, uh, how I serve. And with that mindset, and there's a challenging situation, if I have those two things where I see a challenge as an opportunity and I know that all I need to do is rely on me, then the solutions are going to come. We think about good luck, right? Good luck is nothing but being prepared when an opportunity comes. And that's what I'm talking about. When these two are together, when you're, when you're alert uh, and witness the kind of the chaos and you're in that gray space, the solution will come and it will be perfect for you. Last law, number seven, the law of Dharma or the purpose in your life. Your karma and Dharma. Of course, karma we know is uh, where we our actions create our future, and dharma has to do with your purpose. Everybody has a life purpose, a unique and special gift that is only uh, theirs, a special talent they can give to others. And according to this law, you have a unique talent and a unique unique way of expressing it. There's something that you can do better than anyone else in this world. And for every unique talent and unique expression of the talent, there are also unique needs. And when these needs are matched, so when you think about like the way I the way I see it, it's a crime if I don't share my wisdom or share my gifts with people. Like I'm robbing somebody of pain relief. I'm robbing somebody of uh, spiritual learning. I'm robbing somebody of feeling joy. And how dare I do that, right? So for whatever gifts I have, it's kind of like having a key for a specific lock. You, you have that, and somebody has a lock that needs to be unlocked. So you get to, based on just who you are, you get to unlock the way for somebody. Can you imagine if we embedded our children with this knowledge from the beginning? And can you imagine the effect it would have on them? To be able to tell your children, you know what? There's a reason why you're here. And you're going to find out what that reason is. But let me tell you. Your gifts are unique to you and somebody or a lot of people, they're going to need what you have. And so your purpose here is to give. That is the law of Dharma. And there are three components of the law of Dharma. The first is that each of us is here to discover our true self, to find out on our own that our true self is spiritual that essentially we are spiritual beings that have taken manifestation in spiritual form, right? You've heard of this. We're not human beings having a, a, a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience, okay? So each of us is here to discover our higher self or our spiritual self, right? So that's the fulfillment of the law of Dharma, the purpose, life purpose. The second component is of the law of Dharma is to express our unique talents uh, and and there's really nobody else alive on this planet that has your talent. Nobody. Even if you like the same things, you, you express who you are in a very different way than somebody else could express the same thing. It's just that's how it is. So when you're doing that one thing, when you're really in that beautiful pocket of expressing your true self, it's kind of like you lose time. I know when I uh, was writing 
uh, for my book or I write articles, that kind of thing, I get lost. And it's the most beautiful thing. The third component of the law of Dharma is service. To serve your fellow human beings and to ask yourself this question. How can I help? How can I help all of those that I come into contact with? You see, when you combine the ability to express your unique talents with service to humanity, then you make the full use of the law of Dharma. So here's what I want you to ask yourself every day. I want you to ask yourself, how can I help? How can I serve? Instead of saying, what's in it for me? Okay? So I want you to think about that. Now, I want you just, this is an exercise. So sit down and make a list of the answers to these two questions. First question is, if money was no concern, if you had all the time and money in the world, what would you do? And if you would still do what you're currently doing, then you are in Dharma. You are living your life purpose because you have passion for what you do. You are expressing your unique talents. But if you're not, then ask yourself, what else could I be doing? If I knew money and time were no object, what could I do that I could wake up every single day loving life, feeling free, feeling light? Then ask yourself, how am I best suited to serve humanity? And then you put those answers into practice. When you do this, when you believe and start living from a place of, uh, I am here to serve, even though we are fighting to get what we think we need, which is money, fame, uh, quote-unquote financial security, you're going to begin to experience life in, in an unbelievably miraculous way. You, it's just going to feel so easy and so divine, and you will know true joy and the true meaning of success because you are so connected to your spirit. I hope you've enjoyed today. It's been a long one, but I wanted to make sure that you understood these seven laws because I really like to encourage you to start with one and just put one into place and then incorporate them. Uh, and again, get this book. It's a great book. It's, it's, it puts everything in perspective, gets you out of ego. And if you are somebody that would like to know a little bit more about anything in your life, um, give me a call or email me. I'd love to do a reading for you. Uh, you can uh, email me at Janice at JaniceRCohen.com or call my office at 404-558-3971. I'd be happy to support you that way. If you want to learn how to incorporate these spiritual laws into your life in a way that works for you, or you, you really are ready to shift and change your life so that you experience joy and your purpose, call me. It would be my pleasure to work with you. Uh, 404-558-3971. And as always, if you're really enjoying this podcast, share it with other people and please go on iTunes um, and rate and review my podcast. It doesn't have to be a long uh, review, but I would really, really appreciate it. And as always, have a blessed day, a wonderful week, and live intuitively. Thanks for listening to The Intuitive Therapist with Janice R. Cohen. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes. 